Okay, Brian, tell us about that Fago. <laughs> yeah, guys, so I went to Port Townsend over the weekend, which you guys know is a pretty bougie area on the peninsula. And right before I got on the ferry, the Edmonds to Kingston ferry, I found this gas station because uh, I needed to buy ice. And when I went in to buy ice, I was like, why well, would I check the soda section? Maybe get myself a little Coke for the ferry ride. Brian and always checks the soda section. I always do. <laughs> In case there's <laughs> any interesting sodas. And I was showing you guys, they had a whole, I've never seen this in Seattle before, but they had a whole Fago section. Well, you, they you had, had to leave Seattle. Yeah, they had like 20 flavors before, like in there, right? Which in Seattle, every once in a while you can find like the, the, the popular Fago flavors, which is like grape, root beer, maybe cream soda, right? You can find those every once in a while in Seattle. But they had like 20 flavors. They had all the crazy shit. The pineapple ones, my favorite red pop, right? All the weird ones. And they had these new ones. This one's called a firework. And it just has a picture of a bomb pop on it. And it's it's gray. It's gray water that I'm about to drink here. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't be more excited <laughs> during the show. If you guys, if there's an extra set of glee in my voice during the show, <laughs> it's because I'm enjoying my firework flavored Fago. If, if Brian goes into an, an, ins, an insulin induced coma, we'll know well, why. I, I did. I was pointing out to you guys off mic here. Um, that Something a, really fascinating. Yeah, there's an economic. <laughs> I was explaining that, that the whole thing about Fago is, is that they used to come in 24 ounce bottles, right? But you pay the same as any other soda. So essentially, it's like you're getting four ounces of soda free, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that was free real estate. Yeah, that's their whole pitch, right? It's like it's it's a cheaper soda in that you get four extra ounces for the same price. And I was going to show you guys this, and I looked down at the, uh, the the size here at the bottom of the bottle, and I happened to see that it does not say 24 ounces. It says 23 ounces. What? It, That's like the Cadbury cream eggs getting smaller. Yeah, and Greg was like, well, maybe it's because they like switched to metric, and that makes sense to metric, except this is 680 milliliters, not which a is not a normal. Size. Nope. Yeah. Which means metric shit comes in seven fifties. Yeah, and I'm honestly I'm going to take a photo of this and email it to to our new best friend Richard Wolf because this is a perfect <gasps> economic update segment right here. Uh-huh. Which is what has happened is that Fago used to give you twenty four ounces of soda uh-huh. for X amount of dollars, and now they've reduced the size of the bottle, they've reduced the amount of soda. Now it's twenty three ounces of soda for that same amount of dollars, right? Meaning. They've reduced the amount of soda you get per dollar. They've they've essentially shorted you. They've shortchanged you. This is neoliberal America. What it does to what it does to a motherfucker. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It it takes your fago. All right. But one of the few things that was still sacred in America, sugary soda. Yeah. And it defiles it. In a moment, Brian is going to taste the firework fago and uh, possibly confirm my theory that while they have cut down on the cost of plastic and the ever-increasing cost of water to go into the product, they've actually kept the level of corn syrup at the same place as was going into a 24-ounce bottle, making it even sweeter than Brian remembers. Could that be? I mean, the corn syrup is the thing that doesn't cost them anything. It's completely subsidized. So uh, why change that number, you know? Oh boy, it's so sweet. <laughs> it's... Now, keep in mind, this is not my first one I've had this week. 
I've been, I've been drinking some Fagos this week. This one is insane. <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> it is. It's, this is brutal. Um, shocking. It's only <laughs> 340 calories for this bottle, which honestly a touch below what I would have guessed. But okay, well, uh, <laughs> this has been a segment on the dangers of chronic disease uh, <laughs> caused by. Uh, uh, hyperinsulinemia. All right, now for my opinions on insane clown posse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to the Mechanical Freak Show uh, about Seattle, where we we do stuff. That was good, right? Yeah, that was solid. Nailed it. All right. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of great news and views, most importantly for you today. But but first, but first, that uh, cold open about Brian's trip to <laughs> Port Townsend was just a taste <laughs> of the kind of trip to Port Townsend news and stories and anecdotes you can hear on this week's <laughs> Patreon episode. <laughs> I I'm not making this up. I've got we've got an outline right here, and <laughs> the first section says we went on trips. Brian went to Port Townsend. <laughs> some of which the content for some of which we've already blown on this episode. <laughs> and the next bullet point is Greg went to L.A. and boy did I. Oh, uh, so, he did. You want to hear about what it was like going to a coffee shop in Los Angeles or Ooh, yes, uh, spending several days at an Irish wedding, uh, then, you know, you'll have to uh, sign up for, you know, five dollars a month on uh, Patreon dot com slash Mechanical Freak, uh, because that's what we've got in store for you. Hey, I'm just happy to hear this, too, from Floggy Molly finally got married. All right. <laughs> so we also have Rick Scott's 11 point plan to save America. So make sure you tune in for that so you oh, can yeah. follow along with us. We're going to put this in action, baby. Um, oh, yeah. But first, uh, you know, look, last week, me and Munya, we, we covered the news. Maybe we were being a bit cynical. Uh, and we have some updates from uh, some of our stories we covered last week. The first of which being that the state legislature has uh, come up with a new bill on allowing its staff to unionize. Uh, this is after 100 staff members of the Washington State Legislature uh, did a sick out on Monday. Good for on them. Tuesday, I guess. Yeah, good for them. I guess it was on Friday. Whatever. Good for them. Right. Uh, because after after the legislature shot down a bill yeah. that would have allowed them to unionize. Yeah, literally killed it. As you and, covered. Yeah, and so good for them on doing the sick out. Uh, state legislature members had to do their own copies for a single day and decided they hated it. They wrote up a new bill, and it sounds promising. Let me read this uh, thing that Rich Smith from The Stranger has on it after he took a look at this new bill. Uh, he says, it looks like Democrats want to significantly slow roll the unionization effort. 
The bill sets up an agency with a director who must commission a report to study the best way to unionize legislative workers. (laughs) Report due fall of 2023. Bargaining would end July of 2025. (laughs) Holy shit. Can't make this shit up. They got a blue ribbon panel to study. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Fuck. You know, that should be. I mean, you would like to believe Okay, I'm going back and forth on this because, like, the people who, a lot of, okay, well, never mind. You would like to believe that the people, uh, like, this would, this tactic would be least effective on. The people who would see through this bullshit most readily would be their own employees who, uh, you know, are presumably the kind of nerds who understand that what a, but... On the other hand, maybe they're all true believers. We're frequently barked at by legislature members. Hey, come up with some bullshit like a blue ribbon panel committee so that we can uh, not do something. Wow. Oh, good. Well, um, Well, uh, you know, uh, in this in America, you can delay anything forever and still call it a democracy you know well funny you say that greg because there's some things you can't delay and for seattle and the seattle city council that's the eviction moratorium can't delay ending it (laughs) all right and so uh just today just this day uh the city council voted this from the stranger right here the city council voted five to three against a resolution proposed by seattle city council member shama sawant to extend the city's moratorium on residential and commercial evictions. Council member, members Lisa Herbold, Teresa Mosqueda, and Sawant voted yes. Council members Andrew Lewis, Sarah Nelson, Alex Peterson, Dan Strauss, and Deborah Juarez voted no. Council member Tammy Morales was absent. Well, okay, so some of them learned, like, one of the most basic lessons of, like, being in a legislative body since the last time the council voted to end the moratorium, uh, which is that you don't have to cat let not everybody has to cast the shitty vote that they'll be hated for, you know, <laughs> like you can let like the people whose uh, brand will suffer less from it uh, do the dirty work once in a while, you know? Yeah. Rotating uh, villain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like, so obviously, like, you know, this was Sawant's bill and Sawant was the only one last time when in December, just as the Omicron wave was starting, they voted to end the damn thing. All of the rest of them cast that vote, uh, just a totally unforced error. So Lisa Herbold, Teresa Mosqueda, and I, I'm even going to give credit uh, on this this minimal credit of just basic, like, uh, legislative political strategy, just basic like you know craven uh political hackery i'm gonna give credit to tamley morales for not showing up uh, for that too you know uh so you know i guess they're growing and learning like maybe they listened to our episode where i just called yeah. them fucking stupid 35 times tammy was like oh no it might look too too dangerous if it's five to four don't know if i can count yeah yes, right better, right better but uh not be there instead um yeah <laughs> I wonder wonder which of these people were fighting over who could vote last, you know? (laughs) Well, let's hear from some of them. So this is uh, from Debbie here, Miss Juarez. We knew this moratorium would not last forever. I mean, we're in charge. (laughs) We cannot (laughs) cannot have a healthy economy if nobody pays rent. 
And uh, uh yeah. wrong. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Where, yeah, where's the Trump button on our soundboard? Yeah, right? seriously. <laughs> Citation fucking needed. <laughs> yeah, you can't have a healthy economy unless you have a parasitic class that literally adds nothing to the economy but pulls <laughs> money out of it. And leeches like. off other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it sets smog like on its like gold and property. You know, yeah. hey, I, all right. This maybe this is trite, but like I think maybe you know when when neoliberal stooges say economy they really like they really just mean exploitation <laughs> like that, that's, yeah, yeah it's actually right. that one-to-one you know because <laughs> you know you're always arguing with libs about like what the economy really is and like what matters in the economy like is it the stock market is it, like what to focus on and yeah, that's probably that's probably the wrong uh you know, the wrong frame. You're just kind of buying into their frame when when you do that. When when libs or economists talk about economy, they just mean exploitation. Yeah. We can't have healthy exploitation without that, right? Well, that that's to mean that the economy won't be good for a very particular group of people, right? Yeah, yeah because the yeah, yeah, right. Well, the exploiters again like it's that parasitic landlord class also that dictates real estate prices as well. So, sorry, there's freaking crime happening. Yeah. Pause yeah, for no, crime, sorry, everybody. Yeah, yeah the, there, was, there was a siren <laughs> that was really loud that just went by. You uh, can't even record a podcast with all this dang crime. Yeah, all, all this crime. <laughs> the big thing, though, is that just because this landlord class just does is parasitic and will just extract um you know value out of everyday people just for you know their own profit that's what also dictates real estate prices too which is a big constituency um you know in mm-hmm. Seattle specifically people who vote or pay attention to city politics in a way or actually have power over just, uh you just know council people yeah. and like actually run local politics real estate is essentially what runs local politics in every big city and uh, property values, uh, you know, going up, uh, a lot of people uh, inadvertently even benefit from that if they own a home and stuff, oh, yeah. too. So, yep. you know, uh, there's a simple equation between people being able to pay rent and, you know, prices being sky high as they are. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I think the real estate angle is a big part here. It is local politics, after all, as you're saying, Munya. I think something that maybe at first sounds a little more like esoteric, but I actually think is on the minds. I think very clearly on the minds of uh, the political class and the ownership class is that rents are why people have to go to work. And mm-hmm. that the whole like ruling class of America is obsessed uh, with people not wanting to work right now. And yeah, with, that's uh, true. you know, labor's slowly growing hand to the market. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just like, just like they were pissed about, uh, the, the, you know, stimulus checks and, you know, worrying that's, that's what is keeping people out of work. You know, that's people don't want to work anymore because they've got it so easy. Well, I mean, the, the rent moratoriums are a big part of that, you know, and that's yeah, their, that's what they're feeling. And that's also like why Biden is in office, right? He's there to discipline the working class again, right? After this pandemic. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's hear this. There's a paragraph towards the end of this article I thought was just particularly uh, funny for maybe its obviousness, but 
There we go. Um, let's talk about the people who decide to speak up at the city council meeting. The just regular everyday citizens. Oh yeah. Who to speak up at the city course. council member, like Corey Brewer, vice president of residential operations at Windermere. <laughs> <laughs> he argued that uh, he, he stepped up to the podium uh, from his seat behind uh, Council Member Peterson on yeah, the dais. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Peterson stood up and then he like divided in two like those like amoebas. He stood up you know? and unbuttoned <laughs> like, his trench coat to reveal that he was actually three children who work at Windermere, one of whom was young Corey Brewer. <laughs> so Corey argued that no data suggested lifting the moratorium would trigger a tsunami of evictions. Tran Larson from Housing Justice didn't let that one slide. She said that in Auburn and Federal Way, eviction filings nearly doubled after their moratoria ended. In SeaTac and Des Moines, files, filings nearly tripled. In Redmond, filings almost quadrupled. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, Brian. If there was an eviction moratorium, I mean, zero times four <laughs> is still <laughs> yeah, that's zero. That's, that's right. Still that's zero right. filings yeah. in Redmond. I'm not, gonna, I'm not fooled by this uh, activist, Tran Larson. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you know, one of these like toads at the meeting decided to bring up this thing about like, what about mom and pop uh, landlords? To which Trey Larson pointed out that like a quarter of all evictions in Seattle during the pandemic have been filed by mom and pop landlords. Like, <laughs> well, what they're, about they're them? evicting people just fine, even with the uh, moratorium, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, presumably they will continue evicting people as it goes. Yes, and also, what about them? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, like what right does anybody have to fucking collect rent of all things Jesus yeah well Christ. i mean like what 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 even is a mom and pop landlord because mm. a lot of like actual real estate that you know and we're talking like big real estate will use the rhetorical device of mom and pop landlord to essentially just advocate for you know their own real estate interests like they can consider someone who owns like five different uh buildings that have 27 units each that is a mom and pop landlord to them too right like is that yeah. like what wh where where does where's the line drawn on this mythical person who only owns like yeah. one, you know one property that like that that uh also like lives in the top floor this nice little grandma who like you know rents out her old place that she grew up in like that's just like mm -hmm. This is like a story that fucking real estate tells. Like it's yeah. also just important to know that this mom and pop landlord doesn't really fiction. exist. Yeah, yeah, it's totally made up. And also, you know, even if it were, it's like the average home price in Seattle is like a million dollars. So it's like, yeah. yes, talking about millionaires. Yeah, your yeah. average mom and pop person yeah. who could own multiple million dollar dwellings. You know, like, <laughs> just, a, just a regular Joe that you would beat at any <laughs> urinal trough at any airport in America. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, good, good for uh, Seattle City Council. Most of progressive city council in America uh, just voted to evict like 130,000 people. All right. So on top of that, we also have the Seattle Times editorial board. Dropped a real banger today. The title is, this is from the Seattle Times editorial board. The uh, title is, City Must Investigate Whether Crime is Impacting Small Business Insurance Rates. City already? must investigate. <laughs> I'm already skeptical about this must part of it, but let's, let's see what else we got here. I'm just going to read the first couple of paragraphs because they're funny. Uh, 
There is something afoot with high insurance rates impacting small business in Seattle. What could it be, Brian? A specter is haunting small business. But who will figure (laughs) out what that, what it is? Who, what institution's duty is it? What, what, uh, you know, social formation, what business model exists in our society to determine what is afoot? Well, Greg, evidence is only anecdotal so far. But City Hall should quickly devote resources. Send a reporter? To... <laughs> City Hall should send a reporter? Well, they should devote resources to study the issue and find the cause. Oh, and my fucking God. Yes, as Greg has put his finger on, what the Seattle Times is saying is like, hey, we've heard murmurs of something happening in the city. Somebody should really go out and investigate that. <laughs> and maybe write a, write a report. Put it in like a paper that maybe comes out daily that people can see. I don't know. Anyways, back to our job at the Seattle Times, where we apparently don't do that. <laughs> the, the the main newspaper in the city literally calling the manager at the city saying, we need investigation for the purpose of information. Yeah, we need the somebody to do some newspaper. investigative journalism. Like, of course, you know, so yeah, they heard some small business tyrant uh, gossip, which also is normally all they need. And they do quote a couple of people to that effect in this. All That's usually all they need to just write a more direct article, even a, like a re- purely reporting article that just espouses that position. You know, they come up with some, you know, they, they hear some, some angle, some right wing, you know, angle that casts uh, small business people as martyrs and he- heroes, uh, and then they send a reporter to do some Googling and get a few quotes from people that that uh, sort of lazily uh, makes that point. If you don't, you know, consider any uh, other point of view or any other data. And that, that's what they call a newspaper. It's what they do all day. Uh, mm-hmm. And in this, they're just so lazy that all they could, the only way they could think to frame this is someone at the city should investigate. Yeah, unbelievable. It's incredible. Uh, the Seattle Times will do anything for real estate, but they won't do that. And that being their job. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, incredible. Let me read this last paragraph, which I just thought was kind of funny, too, which is mm-hmm. some business owners say they already know the answer. Premium hikes in the last few years are the direct result of relentless street level vandalism and property damage. High insurance is just another canary in the coal mine indicating deep public safety troubles across the city. And again, this is kind of funny because the Seattle Times has been called out a couple of times for trying to claim that uh, crime rates have risen in Seattle, when in Mm -hmm. fact they have not, (laughs) which people keep pointing out. So I like that now we're like, ooh, what's another canary canary in the coal mine? Yeah, we need another canary. (laughs) The thing hasn't happened yet, but this is a sign that it might be coming. The, The miners may start to pass out soon, you know? Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, luckily, if you know, for those of us that ha- understand how insurance markets work, because we have health insurance, you know, insurance only goes up when petty crime goes up. All right, it's definitely <laughs> not just a profit-making model, right? Which also, you know, how you know, we shouldn't take for granted that insurance for small business has gone up either. Like, probably hasn't. It's probably just probably made up the whole story out of whole. Well, how right? are we to know until the city <laughs> studies it? They must investigate. 
Miss I mean, that's, that's what they're asking. Where are you on this issue? We're yeah. all trying to find out if this is happening. Us and the Seattle Times. We all <laughs> want to know. We're all trying to figure out who did this. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's uh, incredible. Well, good thing we got that local paper, right? Jesus. <laughs> doing, doing the hard lazy work out there. Sons of bitches. Well, guys, we've had a lot of fun today. Yeah, uh, we had some we had some laughs. We had some good times. Uh, we talked about our shitty local paper. We talked about how great things are going at the state legislature. Yeah, we're going to keep it going, right? Like there's going to be <laughs> yeah. more fun times. Yeah, let's take a turn south to Funville in the state of Oregon. Oh, uh, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the fun is the bus is coming to a screeching halt, uh, but there's no way to avoid talking about it, which is that on this past Saturday night, a protest against police violence from the Portland Police Department, uh, a right wing nut came out to the protest, uh, apparently, you know, I think by all accounts, planning to carry out a mass shooting, which he then did. Shot several people, I think four in total. Uh, three were injured, one was killed. And uh, it, before he was shot himself by one of the protesters, right? Uh, finally, for the first time in history, a good guy with a gun. A good guy with a gun, gun, yeah. Um, notably, not a cop. <laughs> um, although the guy who got shot, you know, we'll see. But uh, the the shooter, the mass shooter, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But, <laughs> we'll never. <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not put our money down on him. Definitely not being a cop. Just yet. yeah. And I guess you know this is obviously awful, and you know arts go out to everybody in Portland. Uh, it's it's terrible. But as always, you know, we got to cover sort of how the story was covered. And naturally, all the news agencies in Portland just repeated what the police told them on Saturday night and Sunday morning, which was that a homeowner, that most sacred character in all of American folklore, the, the you know, benighted homeowner, <laughs> went outside, was besieged by a mob <laughs> of angry protesters. Uh, uh, armed protesters. Armed, armed angry protesters. Protester. And had no choice but to shoot them down like Clint Eastwood in one of your favorite Westerns. And uh, wouldn't you know it, since there was a huge crowd of people there, that uh, this story turned out to be complete fucking bullshit. What yeah. a shock. Ugh. Top to bottom. And so, actually... And they've they've well, also, you know, I mean, the police uh, continue to... Behave very strangely in unexplainable ways, uh, refusing to arrest or charge the sus the the shooter uh, who's in the hospital, uh, refusing to release his name, which the local local uh, media, with the help of citizen journalists, have now figured out and reported on um, both the Mercury and uh, OPB. I think maybe it's yeah. the Oregonian. Well, the Oregonian, yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, um, just acting highly fucking normal about this uh, this case, which they're the spokesperson for the Portland Police Bureau is calling very complicated. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, change their Facebook relationship status. To, it's yeah. complicated. Yes, they, from from uh, heart emoji <laughs> yeah. between cops and this guy, <laughs> yeah. it's complicated now. Now it's complicated. And you know, it's worth noting. I mean, in Portland, like any city in America, when there's a shooting that the police want to fear monger around, they have no trouble releasing the suspect's name, photo, etc., and in charging the them, aftermath. arresting, charging them. Yeah, immediately. Um, in police shootings where the police kill somebody as Portland PD did that night, by the way, in just another area of Portland, um, you know, they have no trouble releasing the victims, you know, long list of, you know, doing the, he's no angel fucking dance or whatever immediately after the shooting. But for some reason, this shooter, the Portland police just couldn't, couldn't wrap their heads around it. Right. Couldn't get a handle on it. Um, they're like, well, we need to consult the law and what our jobs are supposed to be here and, you know, apply that, uh, you know, evenly and judiciously to this this uh, possible victim, really. I mean, he was shot, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's literally point. what they came out and said was like, well, we have to, you know, it takes a while to assess, like, who's really the, the suspect and who's the victim here. You know? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you uh, this from the Portland Mercury, who to that point, I believe this is from this morning. They essentially asked, like, why, you know, the Portland Police Bureau was not, you know, arresting anyone or saying, you know, saying anything about the suspect or whatever, uh, even though newspapers had already identified the suspect and everything Mm -hmm. Uh, to which the PPB's response was. Uh, okay, so here's from the article. PPB has also refused to explain whether anyone has been arrested in relation to the shooting. Asked to clarify this position, PPP spokesperson Nathan Shepard said that the reasoning is, quote, complicated. Unfortunately, not all cases are simple, Shepard wrote in an email to the Mercury. In some, a determination has to be made of who is a suspect and who is a victim. Cases can be fluid, and as additional facts are learned, who is a victim and who is a suspect can also change. Now, <laughs> we should be clear here. This is not a complicated case. It's there's video footage of it. There's, you know, dozens of witnesses, all of which says the same thing, which this guy showed up, started yelling at these you know, women that he shot. These four women that he shot started calling them cunts and other things and terrorists and things like that. And then within a minute of doing that, pulled his gun out and started shooting them. This is not a complicated case. It would not be complicated for the police to figure this out in any other scenario other than the fact that they fucking hate the protesters and want them shot and killed you know well that's what's complicating the issue for the port in their defense you know in the police's defense they did say that uh you know their investigation was being slowed down by the fact that uh none of the protesters would talk to them or give them (laughs) any information which uh (laughs) good also because of that um the hero of the night the good guy with a gun the protester mm-hmm. who was not caught lacking uh he has not been identified by anybody yeah not and, the police and not any citizen journalists either and to be fair i mean despite the complaints of the portland police department uh they have they were at the, that night were given video of the events from one of yeah. the protesters and people have talked to them i mean they have they're they're just lying. Although 
to be fair for Portland protesters, like if you're an anti-police protester in Portland, given everything you've gone through at this point from being black bagged on street corners yeah, yeah. to being relentlessly like shot to having a member at one of your protests, right? So there was the guy at one of the uh, protests during the Black Lives Matter stuff who shot one of the like right wing chuds in Portland and then Donald Trump ordered a hit team to fucking yeah, murder exactly. him I was in just Olympia. Gonna say, <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I was just going to say, you know, it, it's you know, it's cool to call this person a hero and everything for saving people's lives. But that person's in a in a bad spot now because yeah. whoever that person is, they have to make the choice to either uh, hang like, you know, stay low till the heat blows off and hope that they're never identified by video or testimony or something, which you got to figure ultimately long term, if the police pursue this, uh, they're going to figure out because there's going to be so much video that there's going to oh, be yeah. some fucking one of these things, even if no one was facing him when, you know, or when he pulled out his gun and fired. You got to figure it'd be hard to make that choice. And your other option is to turn yourself in. And like you have in this country uh, and especially based on recent fucking precedent of very similar events, you have uh, no reason to believe that the priority of American law enforcement isn't going to be just to murder you. Yeah. Uh, And then beyond that, you may have uh, a principled political motivation for not turning yourself in and you know legitimizing uh the violence of the state you know i mean but you should uh, you should have a very real self-preservation motive yes yes <laughs> but, but either way but either way you've got a problem there because either of those is dangerous you know mm-hmm. um there's not you know uh i guess the thing to do would be to get a lawyer that the smart thing to do would be to get a lawyer and do what they tell you to do um, turn, which probably would mean turning yourself in in a very particular way and in a mm-hmm. very, you know, and but then, you know, you still got to take your chance. Well, I mean, the thing is, is, again, you know, remembering past present, the the New Yorker who filmed NYPD murdering Eric Garner mm-hmm. was harassed by NYPD every night for months, shining lights into his windows. Uh, they would, you know, stop him every time he was outside his apartment. They would stop his friends and family and stuff like that to search him on the street. They eventually and, got him on some charge, yeah. right? They eventually got him on some trumped up charges and stuck him in fucking Rikers, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, these things happen, right? And again, I mean, a protester who shot a right wing shot in Portland got fucking murdered by cops, you know, by a fucking yeah. death squad who went out and fucking shot him. And the president a bragged death squad about made it. up of a task force of different federal and local law enforcement. You know, everyone got blooded in that, you know? Yeah. And the president bragged about it. Marshals and whoever else, you know? Yeah. And the president bragged about it on TV that he fucking, you know, ordered it or whatever. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Right. But yeah, astonishing set of events, right? Not shocking that people maybe don't want to, uh, help out the Portland police in this scenario. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, this is sort of the situation now. Interestingly, uh, and maybe we could uh, we could send a tip to the Seattle Times here. But again, the Portland Mercury, they did this crazy thing where they asked people who this mass shooter was, were then informed who he was and where he lived, then went to his apartment and knocked on the door and talked to his roommate. And so let's hear what his roommate's going to say. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> They said, hey, we've heard anecdotes 
somebody should investigate. And then one of them put on the little hat with the press tag, you know, card in it and Mm -hmm. actually went and did it. So let's hear what the roommate had to say. All right. uh, So boop, 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 boop. I find the money quote here. All right. So the person's name is Ben Smith, by the way, the mass shooter. Their roommate told reporters, quote, he talked about wanting to go shoot commies and Antifa all the fucking time. He was just a sad, angry dude. He talked about wanting to do this for a while. He was angry at the mass mandates. He was angry at the damned liberals. Sounds like a complicated it's, case, guys. Yeah, sounds really complicated. I, mm, you know, it is. Look when into it, that one. Obviously, these are, you know, very common sentiments in America that are stoked by, you know, flo- a flood of media online and on cable and whatever. But it does. I mean, we make fun of these this sort of attitude, you know, for being a cruel and evil, but also for just being so like petty and pathetic, you know, when they're not killing people, when they're just like saying this shit on Facebook, you know, when it's like, what are you actually complaining about? Like, but mm-hmm. now, but a guy, you know, but this guy has killed someone over these just fantasy of aggrievement, absolute misplaced i mean i guess look it does suck i mean living in america blows um so i guess it you know the aggrievement is real the the fantasy is uh who it's directed at i guess i don't know yeah and i mean speaking of this sort of aggrievement factory of course people have found this guy's you know online footprint you can now see and making similar comments across various, you know, social media platforms about how he wants to kill people, all this kind of stuff. Um, and one of the things that you'll find is the ever-present, uh, or the always-around presence of a certain character that the Pacific Northwest has come to know and love, mm. which is one Mr. Andy No. And this guy's apparently a big fan of Mr. No's work. For those who are unaware... Andy No is, and I'm going to put this in the most enormous quotes possible, journalist, as he claims. But in reality, he's just a right-wing freak online who tries to incite violence and has successfully incited. This is actually, I think, his third or fourth mass shooter that cited Andy No. <laughs> it's like yeah. one of their critical influences. Uh, gosh, if, you know, uh, it's the kind of thing you think someone could have predicted, you know, that Andy No would inspire violence. Yeah, the kind of thing that you think uh, a bunch of gumshoes just doing a shoestring podcast might have predicted a while (laughs) back when a local alternative newspaper fucking wasted ink space defending Andy No as a besieged journalist whose rights had to be protected. Oh, God, you just oh, oh, you just reminded me of something I'd completely (sighs) forgotten. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for that. Katie Herzog and Eli Sanders and Dan Savage at The Stranger, who, by the way, I mean, honestly, this is on them, too. Like all three of them, like who were some of his most staunch defenders, like this is on them, too. but hilariously, I've never heard the stranger say anything about that weirdly since then. So I know some stranger people listen to this. Hey, maybe put out a note and say, uh, this paper was, is pretty shitty of us to have defended this guy when it was obvious what he was doing. And hey, um, look, lucky you, you get to throw some people who aren't there anymore under the bus for it. Um, yeah, but yeah, well should. It might, it may, it might, yeah, something like that would go some way to restoring some trust, you know? Um, but, hey, but the point yeah. made is, Andy Noah is, you know, he uses his platform, which people follow religiously, 
to make absurd claims about left-wing terrorism or whatever in order to incite violence. In this case, he claimed that this The only claims that are ever true that he makes is about the left-wing terrorism against him personally, which uh, (laughs) does happen. (laughs) Yeah, again, for people who don't know Andy, he was made a little bit internet famous when he got hit with a milkshake at a protest and tried to claim that it was quick-drying cement that had frozen into cement in the air as it came towards him and gave him a concussion. I mean, incredible. That, that, this was exactly the claim that was repeated in uh, uh, Katie Herzog's article yeah. in The Stranger in which she referred to his injury as a b- brain bleed. Yeah, yeah, and Katie Herzog be the uh, just absolute moron, just empty fucking headed moron that she is was like, it's totally true. That that's how a quick drain cement works. That's how life works. That's how reality works. Right. Andy Doe, very credible voice on this. But anyways, anyone should care if the shit got beaten out of him. I mean, that's the yeah, real no crime. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where's the problem beating the shit out of Andy? No, but this event, which has been going on at Normandy Park every week for, I think, like two years now over a guy who got shot by Portland PD in, I think, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um that Andy No decided, I'm just going to use my platform to claim that this week they're all showing up with guns to shoot homeowners or whatever dumb bullshit. Like basically say they're all going to show up with guns to do terrorism on the city of Portland. Uh, And, you know, I mean, this guy who did the mass shooting was a fervent fan of Andy's. He went out and he, you know, shot these people, right? And I'm sure he'll claim some sort of act of self-defense if this ever sees trial. Um. You know, I, I mean, he's just as if he gets a good lawyer, he's just as likely to claim like insanity, you know? Um, yeah, we'll see what like, he does. I mean, uh, depends whether he takes the advice insane. of Portland it, police or not. It's, uh, you know, the in the coming age of uh, growing fascism of or, you know, of fascism rising to the surface uh, in, you know, the daily lives of Americans, not just in the uh, imperial periphery. You know, we may have to come to a sort of a moral decision about like, because I mean, you can feel sorry on some level for a guy like this. Just so just so like an an idiot whose life probably sucks is very lonely and shitty and and without any dignity uh, and who finds someone yelling about something and is so fucking deluded and stupid uh that they that he believes it on some level and wants to be a hero now it's all coming from a place of bile and anger and it's obviously like it, it's lacking a clear moral compass in it in itself i mean if you could walk out your door and shoot unarmed people who are just walking down your street um so i guess what i'm saying is the ultimate like conclusion we should probably come to is to uh react to these people badly you know uh (laughs) without any sympathy oh yeah yeah. i mean fuck ben smith uh we know you know look his life sucks he's a 43 year old guy he's got a roommate who's just selling him out the first second they get to the local papers like oh yeah that guy's a fucking nut fuck him he's also (laughs) not a homeowner which uh it turns out also this is was reported by the Mercury. Um, 
Not a homeowner. So that was just a cultural signifier that the cops dropped in their initial press release because to to explain what his cultural position was, which was a grieved person who lives in the neighborhood and they just assigned yeah. the most natural highest position to him of that, the homeowner. But really all they meant was instead of saying armed criminal, uh, you know, armed suspect, they they had to say person who matters in some yeah. way. And it, you know? to be fair, we should point out this is we know this actually to be a direct lie on the part of the police department too. This is not a mistake they made. In mm -hmm. that protesters mentioned that the police had, uh, you know, do not cross tape their police tape up at this guy's apartment that night, which means they were at that guy's apartment that night. Right. Yeah. And we're telling people for days afterwards, oh, homeowner. Right. And the thing is, it's like, you know. Why would the police do that? Right. And the reason why they're doing it is, as you said, right, the American homeowner is the only citizen in America. Right. You know, the property owner. And they're essentially saying, no, this was a human who came out and shot bugs. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's yeah, also nice. it's simple as thinking about the alternative, because normally when they're releasing a press release and talking about a crime being committed, they're trying to stoke, you know, uh, fear of that crime and to de actively dehumanize the, the suspect, their suspect. For the crime. And that means referring to people as criminals, suspects, as armed, as violent, as, pre, you know, previous offenders, as, uh, you know, convict, previously convicted, whatever. And there, there's all these things they put in front of people's uh, identity. And so they didn't want to do any of that. And they had to say something else. You know, they had to say something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... They didn't even want to say because remember they're not they weren't calling a suspect they still aren't mm -hmm. so they couldn't even just say the suspect they yeah. just said they would have had to say a man and they're like they wanted to give a little more detail that he lived there you know so yeah and to give people a picture of what happened which you know we have at this point which is this guy you know packed his gun went out to go shoot people after bragging about it online you know complaining about it constantly argued with uh four women who were essentially working to like block off intersections from traffic from hitting the march went to go argue with these four women uh within a minute of yelling invectives at them pulled his gun out and started shooting them uh he was then you know shot by one of the protesters which was it was what ended the mass shooting the police then showed up and apparently took the mass shooter to the hospital first while they were busy handcuffing everybody else who was shot all right. Now, and then in the meantime, right, after taking him to the hospital, we're obviously concocting this defense for him in the public sphere, right? Mm -hmm. Interestingly, I mean, I hate to say it, but this is a direct comparison to what happened at the Trump inauguration in Seattle at the University of Washington, where two right-wing chuds, a husband and wife, after bragging online about how they were going to come shoot people, you know, they were going to come shoot Antifa at, you know, event, yeah, this Trump event, uh, that oh, what's his name? He's now fallen out of favor. Uh, oh, I'm you, the alt right guy's gay, he's Greek. Uh, Milo. Milo. Yeah, they were going to go to this Milo event at the University of Washington uh, during the inauguration day. They, you know, they were going to shoot Antifa members. Of course, they show up. That's exactly what they do. They shoot a guy. 
The police tried to handcuff the guy who was shot. Uh, The shooter uh, just walked away (laughs) through the massive. I was there. The police line was fucking huge. There's probably two or three hundred cops there in Red Square and University of Washington, which is very tiny and named after the red bricks. All right. Don't get any ideas. But the shooter was able to just walk away. The shooter then turned themselves in to the University of Washington Police Department where the University of Washington Police Department concocted an entirely fabricated lie about how, oh, he was being attacked and had to, you know, fire his gun in self-defense, which they fed to the media. And that's what the media reported on. That's what the University of Washington president, you know, reported on the next day when they said, oh, we got to get these anti-fire protests off campus or whatever. They, they're causing violence as opposed to what actually happened. Uh, which, by the way, the, the university president had been warned about about this event, which was that well, these people might shoot somebody and was like, oh, that's crazy. But anyways. And so the police created the media narrative around this. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. It's exactly what we see in lots of cities. And it gets back to this point that we harp on in the show all the time, which is the police are not a neutral actor in political life. They are a political organization that is well organized and has one single line. <laughs> it's not DSA. It's not a big tent, right? They have one politics, right? And they put that forward all the time. And uh, I mm-hmm. think this is just another example of that. And I think people have to be people in political organizations. We have to be prepared for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the scary reality. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk, you know, from people in Portland, uh, about what this means about protests in Portland in the future. Of course, this isn't the first time people have been shot at protests in Portland uh, by right-wing freaks. And, um, you know, and I, you know, I don't know what to tell people. This is obviously their own choices they got to make and stuff like that. But I think it is a reality that you have to expect that this is, this is on the table, you know, particularly in the Pacific Northwest, but it's going to be increasingly on the table in every city in America that when you engage in protests, people are going to hit you with their cars and try and kill you with their cars. They're going to, you know, there will be more mass shooters at these events and things like that. And the police are actively encouraging it. The mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, has been encouraging it for months, calling these people, you know, calling Antifa and stuff like that terrorists. Uh, you know, our mayor, Ed Murray, compared, you know, uh, anti-police protesters to ISIS and things like that. And right. The Klan. And the Klan, you know. Uh, I think Eli Sanders thought they were the Klan and Ed Murray. Well, he agreed. <laughs> ISIS, you know. He agreed. But, but, you know, I mean, this is being encouraged to every level, right? It From is. the police and, and, to political officials to journalists, you know, journalists, etc. And, you know, and we know that, yeah, the police are politically on the side of the murderer here. Um, they like him. They think he's cool. But that's not the only reason to defend him. He's also just some schmuck that you could also throw under the bus, even if mm-hmm. you think he's cool. Yeah. Um, he's someone who doesn't matter. Um, except as an example, as, uh, you know, if they kicked the entire law enforcement media complex into gear to discredit and disgrace this guy and throw the book at him and, you know, throw his dirty laundry out in the street you know every problem he's ever had in his life when he got divorced when he was bankrupt what other crimes he's been convicted of if they if the cops are up there saying like how disgusting he is you know that's that's a message that discredits this as a cool thing to do right Mm -hmm. whereas 
they play it this way and all the would-be shooters of protesters out there can if they're clever get the message that it's like you know yeah yeah oh they'll, the police will say yeah well okay eventually you know a crime was committed here yeah gosh you know we're looking for the we're looking for the killer we're looking for this vigilante but really behind closed doors they're high-fiving the guy and going like you know just keep a low profile and you know keep keep cleaning up the streets for us I mean, as they did with Kyle Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse was mm-hmm. inspired by the storm of right wing encouragement to carry out a bass shooting. He then went, you know, across his, the state lines with his gun, which, you know, in theory was a crime uh, to carry out said mass shooting, which he and then is did. now a hero and a celebrity. Yeah. Police high fived him afterwards. And he's now a hero celebrity who's, I mean, made a significant sum of money for doing it and is yeah I th- now he's uh, he's got- dumb enough to be a congressman one day yeah and he's got a grift going already where he's raising money to like bring libel lawsuits against the liberal media or whatever who were completely complicit and essentially carrying the police line about rittenhouse which was yeah. that he was you know there was self-defense and all this bullshit right uh which hilariously some idiot leftist on twitter's fell for like fucking morons but <laughs> you know I think more of this in the future. Just expect. I don't know what to say. I don't think that that should stop people from going out. But, you know, make your own decisions, I guess. All right. Well, uh, as always, uh, that is awful and sucks. Uh, We will put I know that they're raising money for the people who got shot to pay their ludicrous uh, medical bills that they're all going to have. Uh, as well as a funeral fund for the person who died. A person was murdered. Uh, I imagine legal defense funds might be required in the future, but we'll put some links to some of that stuff in the show notes if uh, people want to give. Uh, yeah, awful. Well, that's a tough transition to say, hey, if you want to join our Patreon, please do it. All right. <laughs> it's $5 to get an extra episode a week. I promise the episode this week will not be as depressing as this episode has been. <laughs> And uh, oh, to get the to get the positive Ted Lasso type content, you need to pay a fee for that. <laughs> yeah, those are the rules. The depressing shit's free. Ted Lasso, you got to pay for. Um, yeah. Also, also got everyone should be checking out Ending the Myth. Uh, I just listened earlier today, I think, to the most recent episode with Professor Richard Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a really awesome uh, maybe conversation's not the right word. Uh, <laughs> uh, really, just a really cool lecture with two two really mouthy guys in the audience. Uh, <laughs> the, the the students who won't shut up, who yeah, uh, you know, asking questions of the teacher, in the <laughs> uh, and lecture. just like drag, you know, and, where and everyone else rolls their eyes, um, you know, because teachers' pets won't shut up. Yeah, it's that kind of episode. And it's great. You should listen to it. About uh, Bretton Woods and so much more. Yeah, uh, Dr. Wolf, a fantastic interview, fantastic guy. And the crazy part was he'd been doing interviews all day that day, and he just popped in for this one, talked to us way longer than he was supposed to. Uh, and I, he really, he really brought it. He, guy's got more energy. I think he's like 70 years old. He's got more energy. A podcaster's podcaster. Yeah. And everybody should take note. This is what a good podcast guest does, which is uh, mm-hmm. give the host a break and just talks the whole time. 
Yeah, that's why that's why you're being invited on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, that's what any one of us will do. If you've ever listened to any episode that any of us have guested on, that's yeah. We'll, we'll do we're happy to come on your podcast and filibuster the whole thing. <laughs> All right. Additionally, uh, this week coming out because we're ten episodes in again. We're we're two thirds of the way to the end of history on ending mm-hmm. the myth. We're doing some more Q and A. So if you got uh, cues. You can either put them in the Discord or, I guess, DM them to us on Twitter or, I don't know, put them in a paper airplane and throw it out your window. I don't know. But if you got some questions, some history questions, uh, if you want to know who we think, what which president we think we could beat up in the first half of the 20th century, uh, you know, send them our way and we'll we'll answer them. Get them there by, I don't know, in a couple of days. And we'll uh, record at some point this week <laughs> and answer those questions. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You are you whiffed on the last time someone asked you like a which president question when y- you failed to name uh, Andrew Jackson as the obvious uh, president with non-binary vibes. No, I will not be explaining that. <laughs> uh, well, we did. I mean, I we on our which presidents should be shot. I think we had some interesting <laughs> takes, though. So, like, you know. <laughs> These are all important history questions that if you can't afford a degree at an elite four year institution, you can at least get answered by us, which is, yes, which which presidents have non-binary vibes, which president would you take, I think, a 3D printed gun with you into the past? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) How many trips do I have? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Answer can't be all of them, but, you know, we should have chosen... Okay, I'm going to go back to kill George Washington so that I can just stay in the past and kill every president after that as well. Well, the thing is, if we only have like a quick second while we're there, I mean, early on in the country's history, there were several moments where, you know, you had a president and a vice president where the vice president was about to become president, right? Or had been previously president, right? And mm-hmm. what we could have done is gotten them lined up just right with our one bullet, right? And maybe gotten two at once, right? Mm-hmm. We should have mm-hmm. thought about Call that one a little bit more, style, I guess. Yeah, yeah you know. Uh, but yeah, so get your questions in. All right, check out Ending the Myth. And uh, I think that's all we got for everybody today. So uh, this discussion of uh, the assassination of presidents only applies to the years 1900 and earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Please do not take the preceding skit as a threat against the life of any sitting politician. Yes. Or previous uh, still living president. Yes, exactly. Podcast is, if you look on the genre on Apple Podcasts, it is a comedy podcast, and I need everyone to take that seriously. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a comedy podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll say good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.